I want to open up the word with you this morning, and I want to do that starting in Luke chapter 19. And Jake, if you can throw up just that, that image, rather than pulling up the scripture, just pull up that image for me, Jake. And um, I want to show you this picture. He's coming. You know, we've been talking about how, um, oh, it's kind of dark. I don't know if you guys can make that out. Can you guys see that? If you see it, you can probably recognize what story that painting is an image of. Anything? I hear a lot of murmuring. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. It's Zacchaeus climbing around like a spider in the tree right there. So we're going to read a story about Zacchaeus, and we're going to see what lessons that we can learn from Zacchaeus. And we're starting a little bit late, so I am going to try to abbreviate the message. I know when I say that, you guys probably don't believe me, but I'm going to do my best. It's Father's Day. We've got to get out of here. We've got girls to get going and cookouts. <laughs> All right. It says this in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was like me, short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to, to see him. And since Jesus was coming that way, this is why he climbed. And so when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In this story, we see that in a moment's time, Jesus is seen by Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus sought him out. And upon seeing him and having that interaction, he is suddenly transformed. He's changed right there. Instead of being someone who is a taker seeking personal gain, he began to personally give things away. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. So from this scripture, we see that Zacchaeus was saved because he gave, right? <laughs> if anybody ever preaches that from this pulpit, please, let's get the shepherd's hook out and we're going to yank him out of here. <laughs> no, he wasn't saved because he gave, but because he gave, that was evidence of the internal transformation in his heart. This is where God changes us. And then how that works out is evidence to what happened inside, to what's already been done in here. Because the things that matter to the Lord by the heart. Like it says, it tells us in, in the book of Chronicles, man looks on the outward appearance, but God, God looks on the heart. He looks on us in a different way than we look upon one another. All well, that he would help us to look at one another the way that he does, at lo looking at one another's hearts. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. 
And so we see that when Zacchaeus right there was transformed and instantly said, I'm going to give my possessions away, and if I've robbed anybody of anything, I'm not going to give them what I took back. If I took a dollar, I'm not going to give them a dollar. I'm going to give them four. If I stole $10, I'm going to give them 40. If I stole $50, I'm going to give them 200. In a day, Zacchaeus' economic status probably went right down the tubes because first he gave away half his possessions, and then the half that was left he returned all the stolen things four times over. But that's not what mattered to him. He wasn't looking at what he had left. See, when we we become a giver the way that the Lord is a giver, we don't look at what we're keeping for ourselves. No, we're focused on what we're giving away because that's a privilege to be able to give away. It's a way of being like the Lord. Let's say a word of prayer for a minute as we get into this. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a giver. I thank you that in your love you have given us your very son. I thank you that you have given us all good things that we have, knowing those things come from you, not of ourselves. So this morning I pray that you would show us, even through the life of Zacchaeus, what it means to be transformed by your love, what it means to begin to imitate you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I want to pause for a minute here and kind of go backwards. I want to look at our history as a church. Some of this is, um, I want to be perfectly transparent because there's nothing to hide. We're growing together. We're developing together. The history that has brought us to this point is why we are here. The things that happened in the past is why we are here sitting here now, and that matters And that's not something to hide. It's something to be aware of. So now we know how to proceed forward to get to the place we're being called to. We've been talking for months about how God is doing a new thing in our hearts and in Graceway Community Church as a church. He's continuing to build his church here, right in our midst and with us. And so it's important to know who we are. And it's important to know what we have. Now I'm going to give you just a very brief overview of the history of the church, the way that I have read it in recorded documents, and the way that it's been interpreted to me. And now I know I'm looking at Matthew. If I have anything wrong, I know that after the service you'll be able to fill me in and straighten me out, (laughs) as well as probably Mike and, and Clark as well. Up until a few years back, I want to say it was 2010, Clark, this church was actually a church of Christ. Around 2010 is where the steering committee, the leadership of the church got together and they said, okay, there's a few doctrines from the church of Christ that we do not agree with. We don't see that taught in the scripture. And so they began to move away and just kind of by default, um, unaffiliated with the church of Christ. Is that, am I understanding that correct? And so now it's, it's, while it has that DNA of the church of Christ, it's more of a non-denominational in a sense in a sense. Going back even further, this church was begun in 1952. It said that there was a small group of military men that were here stationed at the War College, and they got together and they started this work. They started the church here. And it went on for a few years, and by 1965 is when this building here that we're sitting in right now was erected. That's when this was put up and the work continued to go on. 
by the mid-70s is when the addition was put on over here. And 1976 is when the addition was put on and the work continued. All the while, the, the ministers that were, were serving here were um, either ministers sent from down south or Midwest or attached to the military. And so there was a lot of, a lot of uh, changeover happening on a regular basis. <clears throat> now, even through all of these years and through all of this time, even through the expansion with the building over here, at no point, at no point to this day, has the church been um, a self-sustained ministry with a serving pastor. What, what I mean by self-sustained is always received outside support to make sure that the ministry is able to continue in this place. There's been other churches, a lot of the pastors that were sent up from the South and Midwest, they were sent from churches and they were compensated and was covered by those churches. Either other churches or even outside businesses that believed in what God was doing here as much as we do, and so they supported that work. And so it's been a growing and developing work for many, many years. 1952 is when the small group of men first started coming. And here we're sitting today. Some, because of the outside support has continued over the years, some people would look at this and say, it's a church plant that is, has yet to fully take root because it's not yet self-sustaining. But development is a process. This is something, when something starts, when we're starting something from the scratch, it needs to be nurtured, it needs a lot of attention, it needs investment poured into it as it begins to grow, and then slowly it, become, it can become more and more independent. And this is a step that we are about to take together, that step towards independence. God is doing a new thing. Graceway Community Church is turning a corner. This month, June, we received our final outside gift from a committed supporter that has kept the ministry going. And so beginning July, we are going to begin to stand on our own two feet. But that's not the vision. The vision is not that we would stand on our own two feet. The vision is that we would become so strong and so coordinated that we aren't able to just stand, but now we can begin to run. Rather than uh, resources, investments poured into this place, the Lord moves in such a mightily, mighty way in this community and in our church that we don't just survive, but we grow strong and we thrive to the point where rather than taking outside resources in, we're turning around and we're saying, we're taking our resources and pouring them out. We now are going to become the support for other ministries that we believe in, that we hold dear. This is what God is doing in our midst. He's calling us to turn the corner. For those have, that have ears to hear and hearts to receive, he's calling us to follow him into this new uncharted territory for all of us. Psalm 127 says that unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And we know that when the Lord is the builder, he completes every good work that he starts. He lets nothing go un incomplete and undone. And this is why over the past couple of weeks we've been addressing some of the specific topics that we have. A couple of weeks ago we talked about how God is calling us to order. 
There was a, there was a prescribed structure and instructions within the scripture. And far be it from us to find ourselves outside of his order. We're following the order of the Lord. And last week we talked about how Jesus showed us servant leadership. This is the kind of people he is calling us to be. And this is what Graceway Church is going to be. The leaders of this church are people who serve one another. It's not a hierarchy, the leaders at the top. The leaders are from underneath, supporting, serving the body, helping to grow and develop strength there. That's a responsibility of those who are appointed to that role. And so we will build his church here on the servant leadership that he taught us, Jesus himself. I was talking to somebody about this a week or two ago, about turning around instead of um, existing because others' investments, but getting to the point where now we have the ability to invest outside of ourselves. And the question, the question I got back was, how do we get there from here? And I can't tell you that I got a roadmap and I'm going to follow. First, here's the first benchmark, here's the second, here's the third. But what I do know is the Lord is going to complete the work because he is the chief builder. And as we are tuning into him and following where he leads, we will get there. We will follow his prescribed order. We will serve as Jesus served, as servant leaders. And today we're going to talk about how we are going to, it takes us investing of what God has given to us, investing back in to those around us. And this is something that we, we see in, this, in the life of Zacchaeus. We all play a part in building God's church, and it starts, if we're going to build, it starts with getting involved. It starts with giving of ourselves. All throughout Scripture, God reveals to us himself, who he is. You probably have heard many times the Bible referred to as a big love story. It's about the love story of God and his people. Now he's constantly, from the beginning of time, working to draw us back to himself. Since that separation in the garden, he's working to bring us back to himself. In 1 John, it tells, the Bible tells us that God is love. This is the definition of, of love. God is love. And in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world that he gave. And in John 15, it says, Jesus teaches us, love one another as I have loved you, because there's no greater love than this, to give up your life for another. Our God is a giver. This is who he is. Provider. This is what he does. You're absolutely right. He's given us life. He's given us Jesus. He's given us individual and specific gifts amongst us. He's given us community. He's given us his very presence with us. When he said, when he was leaving, he said, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm giving you my spirit, my presence. All these things are gifts that he's given us to share because this is how we use them. In the Garden of Eden, when he made the world and then gave it to Adam and Eve, the instruction was, be fruitful and multiply. I gave this to you so you can share it. Now go and give it. In Abraham, the story of Abraham in Genesis 12, when God called Abraham away from his family, away from his hometown, 
He said, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. The purpose of the bl- God's blessing in our lives is to give it away. It's counterintuitive because we're always looking to take, take, receive, receive. And we might even acknowledge them as blessings, but we stop short from realizing that as fast as it fl- the blessings flow in, they're supposed to flow out. It's a river. It's a stream that's continuously moving. It doesn't just come in and then get stuck in this mucky pond. No, the blessings of the Lord are intended to be a river of life. As fast as it comes in, it goes out the other way. James 1, 16 to 18 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. When I read this scripture, it talks about how he doesn't change like shifting shadows. It, it brings me back. Can any of you remember far back enough, and I can't, even, I can't even believe how far back it is now, to remember the elementary school, the grade school. I remember sitting, as I think about these shifting shadows, it's funny what it brings to memory. I remember sitting at a desk in my classroom. It was probably like fifth or sixth grade. And my seat was at a window seat on the second floor. And so all day long, I was sitting in this, at my desk, looking out the window, which was complete torture because you're watching all the other classes go and have their recess. And you're just sitting there, baking in the sun, and listening to the wah, 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 like the Charlie Brown teacher. <laughs> and so it was such, it was torture watching those kids outside. But you know, it's, it was interesting about having that seat in the desk because I could always tell at what point in the torture I was and what point in the day that I was by where the shadow was being cast. At the beginning of the day, the shadow would start at one end of the room, and as it worked through towards the end of other end, other, the end of the day, the shadow then moved to the opposite end of the room, just because of how the be- the building was set. It was always shifting. The Lord tells us that He does not change like shifting shadows. Every moment of every day, things are shifting and changing in our lives. Things can feel unstable, unstable at times. But the Lord himself will never change. Our circumstances will change momentarily. As soon as we begin to feel like, okay, I got things under control, then that watch out there. Because when we're not dependent upon the Lord, we've gotten comfortable with the provision, provision, at that point, he's going to say, where's the attention? Where's the trust? What's going on? The Lord is more concerned about our hearts and our relationship with him than our circumstances. He will use whatever circumstances he has, he has to, in order to bring us closer. And the faster that we can receive the message he's trying to give us, learn the lesson he's trying to teach us through the circumstances, well, the faster we're going to find ourselves getting through the other side of whatever that trial or hardship may be. It's all about learning to trust God. He never changes. He will always be who he is, our provider, and that giver that never leaves his children without. He gives because his love, because he loves. 
and what we learn from him, he is love, love gives. If there is love, there is giving. What does love even look like? Because the Bible teaches us to love. How do we recognize that when we see that? In, in uh, John 13, Jesus said that everyone that you'll know, everyone will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. That sounds nice, right? What does that look like? I tend to be a very pragmatic person when, I'm, when we're learning things. What does that look like? It's a great idea. What does it look like practiced? What does it look like to one another? It looks a little bit like Acts 2, I would suggest, where the, the community of believers coming together and giving freely as one another has needs. If a need arises and I have something that can fill that need, I'm going to give it. Love looks like giving away. So hopping back into our story, we see that Zacchaeus is there in a tree and Jesus gives him attention, acceptance, time, and encouragement. And from what Jesus gave to, Zac- from what Jesus gave to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was transformed in a moment. Giving transforms because love, because it's, when it's rooted in love, it transforms. Love is not simply an emotion. It is not simply a feeling. It is far beyond these things. It's a decision. It's a commitment. It's an action. It's giving. About a a week and a half ago, um, my grandmother passed at the age of 99. And uh, so we spent a lot of time reflecting on her life over the past a uh, couple weeks, really, because we we saw it coming. And uh, she was such a strong woman in our family, and a lot of us, we looked to her almost as a matriarch, if you will. A, a lot we, were, we lived with her growing up when we were children for a few years. Um, she always had a very strong role and influence in our lives. Well, going back about 30 years from now, I want to say she was around 70, when my grandfather was out uh, mowing the lawn, and he took a heart attack instantly, just dropped on the lawn. And after that, he ended up in a coma. We were living right outside of Providence, and to be treated, he was in uh, the Bristol Veterans Hospital. Well, when he went in a coma, he was taken there, and he was there for three years, unresponsive. Six six years, my gosh, I didn't realize it was that long. Six years he sat in that, that Veterans Hospital in Bristol, unresponsive. And my grandmother at the time, who never drove a vehicle a day of her life, made it her mission. It was her job now, from the day that he fell on that lawn, was to be at that veteran's hospital every day of his life and caretaking for him. She refused even to, to allow the nurses to care for him. That, that's her husband. She doesn't, he doesn't need a nurse to care for him. That's her husband. And she was there day in and day out without a vehicle, most of the time having to take the public transportation, take a bus from Providence to Bristol to get there 45 minutes one way. And she was there every day without fail, caring for the man that she promised to love. And because she promised to love, she stood there because love is about giving and not about what we receive in return. It has nothing to do 
with what is received in return. It's all about giving. From her, I learned what it means to be committed to somebody. It's a decision, it's a commitment, and it's an act of giving. It's about giving. Galatians 5, 6 says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love is an expression that we see through the act of giving. It's something that you can observe. It's an act of living faith. So he talks about in James, how can we claim to have faith if there's no action that follows it? Faith moves. It's an action. So hopping back into our story with Zacchaeus, here is a man who says that he's a chief tax collector. These tax collectors, as you may be aware of, were hated by society. They were looked at as dishonest. They were thieves. They were considered traitors because they were working for the Roman government instead of being true to their Jewish heritage. They were considered really outsiders. And so here's Zacchaeus trying to push his way in, and maybe this is connected to why he couldn't get through to see, because he was an outsider to this community, unwanted. And yet he was curious about this Jesus that he had heard so much about. So he goes so far out of his way that he, he doesn't even worry about the shame of a grown man climbing a tree in public in the midst of the crowds. And Jesus, as he walks by, looks up into the tree and calls this man that he's never met before, he calls him out by name as if he was calling to an old friend. Zacchaeus, I need to come over to your house. It's been a while. Or it's been never. Today's the day. Now the crowd was ticked off, ticked off about this as well, as it says. They were angered because this man, a sinner, an outcast, was getting attention from Jesus. But the moment that Zacchaeus encounters him, he instantly had a changed heart. He was completely repentant. This is what repentance looks like. He was going this way. He was taking and stealing from the community and robbing them. Not just taking taxes, but this is how the tax collectors made their, made their money, taking above and beyond what the government's taxes were. He went from becoming a tax, from a tax collector and a robber. He didn't just come back to the middle and say, okay, I'm not going to steal anymore. Repentance is a 180-degree turn. He went from being a taker, he stopped taking, and he became a giver. That is a fully repentant heart, 180 degrees from the original direction. He was transformed on the inside. Love activates something inside of us. Love turns a receiver, a taker, into a giver. Love turns something received into something given. As quickly as we receive from the Lord, the purpose of that is to give. I want to go through a couple things that we can learn from Zacchaeus here. I call Zach's lessons on giving. And I'm going to try to go quickly through this because I know uh, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> and this cupcakes. No, they're not cupcakes. They're better than that. <laughs> Zacchaeus, as we just said, Zacchaeus was transformed into a giver. He transformed from a taker into a giver. In Ephesians 5, it says this, Therefore be imitators, copycats of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. 
He gave himself up for us, and he's calling us to be imitators, givers, people that give. Everything that he has given us was given to us on purpose, with purpose. And the things that we have received now, that makes us able to copy God and be givers. Had we not received anything from the Lord, we have nothing to offer, nothing to give back. But because he gave, that now makes me able to be a giver, even as he is a giver. The Lord has given us all something to give. Sometimes it's easy to look at others and recognize what they have to offer. Sometimes we can see the value that other people have a lot easier than we can recognize what we have to offer. But the truth is we all have something to offer. For, for Zacchaeus, it was, he, was wealth, he was a wealthy man, and so he was able to quickly just contribute and just give back. We all have different things. It says in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If, we're, if it's service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in his generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. We are all without excuse when it comes to giving because we have all received. If we can stand and testify that God has blessed us and given us gifts and blessings, then now we acknowledge the fact that we have something to offer. Our gifts might be different, but the giving is the common denominator amongst us because it's the overflow of love, God's love in us. And this is how we build his church, acknowledging what we've received and now offering back to one another. One of the best ways to prepare the soil in our spiritual lives is to allow the seeds that God has planted in us, allow those things to sprout, and make intentional practice of being generous givers. What are these, what are these things? It can be anything from skills, the gifts that we, that we have, to time investment, money, presence, just being with, with people. These things are things that we have to offer. You might remember the story in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John were going to the temple and as they were walking in, they were encountered by a lame man and he was begging, he was asking them for money. They didn't have money. Peter looked at him and he said, I don't have silver or gold to give you, but what I do have, I will give you. Rise in the name of Jesus Christ. I have the power of Jesus Christ. That I can offer to you. Are you willing to accept it? We all have something to give, and he is calling us to imitate him and give it away. Another observation from, from Zach's lessons on giving is this. He was instantly changed, and he, it was his reflex of the inner transformation. His reflex became giving away. That was his reflex. It says this in Matthew 6, 2-4. This is interesting. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, just to be honored by them. Truly I tell you, they already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, 
Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There's two observations that we can glean from this scripture. The first is this. Giving is not something that is done to be noticed or to be praised. And so whenever possible, our giving should be done modestly and in, in, in private. Otherwise, you've received all, of, all the repayment that you're going to get. Your reward has already been received. He's asking us to give not to be noticed, but to give because the Lord notices. He knows. He sees all that we do. The other thing is this, this idea of reflex giving. He says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Anyone went to, um, went to uh, a table and saw something stand there, all of a sudden something just kind of drops, or, or you're, you're, you're holding your keys and they drop, you just, you're instantly just reaction, bend down, just grab it. It's a reflex. You see something fall off the table, you, just, you try to catch it. Or, or for the, the dads in this room, how many of us have seen our, our children begin to, you know, sitting or goofing around on the couch, fooling around, they all of a sudden fall? What do you do? Lunge. It's a reflex. It's like a built-in thing. You don't have to think about it. You just do it. And so as quickly as you see something falling, you just move. Your whole body, the, this idea of the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing, it's so quick, there's no thought process to it. You see something, you move. It's a reflex. God is calling us to give in such a way that it's a natural reflex. I don't have to think. I don't have to decide. I see a need, and I have the ability to fill it. I'm going to do it. There's, no, there's nothing more to it. It's not that complicated. The more that we get into Scripture, the more that we learn how simple things really are. He's calling us to just give. Don't think about it. Don't wrestle with it. It's not giving out of obligation. It's giving because of who we are. It's giving because of God's love in us. And love gives. The Lord also, he asks us only to give from what we've been given. He will never demand or ask of anything of us that he hasn't already given us. He's only asked back for the things that he's given. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, it says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one has, does not have. <coughs> Another interesting note we can find is this in Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. It says this, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury, and he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. What we learn from this story is the widow who gave two copper coins gave more than the riches that were given by these wealthy people. The measure of our giving is not based on what we actually give. The measure of our giving is based on what we keep back, based on what we withhold. This is what the scripture is teaching us. He said that she gave more than anybody else. Why? She gave everything she had. 
and dependent upon the Lord to pour back into her. Finally, we see from Zacchaeus' life is that Zacchaeus, his giving was evidence or proof of the love of Christ that had entered into him. In 2 Corinthians 8.24, Paul says this, Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. Our giving is the proof of God's love at work in us. Our giving is not a superficial act that is on the outside just to, 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 to cover over what is absent in our lives. No, our giving is the proof of God's love at work in us. And even as they, these blessings and these gifts shower upon us and we receive blessing after blessing, we are called to allow those things to flow through us like an open channel, an open vessel that as quickly as it comes in, we just direct it back to those who need it. And so my prayer for this is that, for us, is that the proof of our love would be evident as we act as a funnel of God's provision, of God's good gifts, rather than keeping them for ourselves. I pray that God's love is so strong in our hearts that our giving keeps up with our receiving from the Lord. As the Lord continues to build his church among us and within us, I pray that his love captivates us and opens our eyes to recognize what each of us have been given. This is even what our, our, the Sunday school class that we just started is all about. It's about taking an account and recognizing what God, what seeds God has planted in here. Taking an account, knowing what we have, so now we know what to give. How can we know what to give away? if we don't even know what's there. My prayer is that we would turn from being receivers into givers. That would be a funnel of God's blessing and provision that pours out as quickly as receive it. And that even like Zacchaeus, we would be transformed by God's love into radical givers. This, this is how God builds his church that reflects him and demonstrates the honor, the integrity, the character of God to the community that we live in. Let's pray. Again, Father, we thank you for giving us all that we have. I, just, I ask you this, Lord. Would you help us to see and recognize and even discover all those things that you have deposited in us, all of these things that we have received from you, Lord, let, us, let it not be uh, unknown to us, but let us become aware of the riches that you have poured into our lives so that now we know what we have to offer. And I pray too that you would fix our eyes, Lord, not on what we keep for ourselves, but help us to focus on what we have the blessing to pour out and give into the lives of others. We know that it is a blessing and a privilege to give things away because in doing so, we imitate you. We want to be like you, God. So transform our hearts, Lord God. Un unlock anything in us that is withholding us from becoming a giver as you are a giver. We love you in this place, Jesus, and we honor you with all that we are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.